Welcome to episode 65 of the Brown and Black Podcast. My name is Jack Rico. And I'm Mike Sargent. And every week we take a look at race and pop culture through a brown and black lens. Mike, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the singer from Spain, Rosalia. I, I've seen her and I've heard her, but I'm not familiar. If right, you mean. I just want you to say her name with your voice. Okay. <laughs> Rosalia. <laughs> I understand they call you Rosalia. <laughs> oh my God. Perfect for yeah. a novella. Like that's there the way it is. It exactly. <laughs> On Telemundo. Well, seems like Rosalia, Rosalia, um, just put out a brand new song, came out this week. It's called La Fama, which means the fame. And he had and she has the weekend as a featured guest. Now, when you listen to the song, if you're not Latino, you probably don't notice anything. Now, did you when you saw the video that I sent you via text and you, and you watched it? Did you notice anything interesting? Anything interesting? It's sort of a standard scenario. She's seducing the crowd, he's seducing her. She's casting her spell, he's trying to be cool about it. That's that's really what I noticed. All right, did did you have the audio on? I did. Okay, so so here's the difference between a Latino watching that and a non-Latino watching that. Okay. Is that the first thing that, that sounds weird, that looks weird, is that the music doesn't correspond to the musicians. The music that was being played was a bachata. Now, I know you, Mr. Washington Heights... Uh, Upper West Side. Well, okay, man. okay. I, I was know not you know even, your bachata. I do know my bachata, but I'll be honest. I was not looking at the musicians. I was looking at Rosalia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I understand. I understand. But when you watch the video, you're looking at a Spaniard woman who has flamenco and European sounds as part of her of her musical identity. And then you have an African-American man in The weekend who sings 80 synth pop music as of late. And he is, many people would say, very influenced and shaped by Michael Jackson and the way he dances on certain songs and his choreography. So you have these two people coming together to create, you know, use their uh, pop edge 2020 to sound with Rosalia's European flamenco reggaeton urban sound to then give us bachata? To then give us bachata? So, Mike, here's the question I want to ask you. And the reason I want to ask you is because I want your fresh take on it. My problem with this is that bachata 
is a Dominican native musical entity for the country. It is the nation's, it is, it is the Dominican Republic's music. Bachata was created there and it has African roots in it, but it is a Dominican musical entity for them, right? And bachata, for the most part, for the elite Dominicans, they don't think that bachata is elite enough. You know, we, we had this conversation with um, Yasser Tejada. Yeah, in the conservatory, they have two departments, the classical music and the popular music. And it's great in a way, but it's weird in a way too, because it's great you get exposed to jazz and Latin music and of all over the world. But I didn't learn, for example, merengue in the conservatory. It was everything was more focused to jazz and American music or European music. But what took me to learn music from Dominican Republic it was starting to play and work with other artists that were doing. Dominican fusion music and Afro-Dominican music. So as Yasser said, there's certain like merengues and bachatas. They're not considered elite. They're considered the people's music, the peasants' music. It's the ghetto music, right? Street music. So many Dominicans in New York have tried to uplift and take Romeo Santos, Aventura, have tried to take the bachata sound mainstream. And when I say mainstream, I'm not talking about Romeo Santos packed Yankee Stadium and 60,000 strong heard bachata. No, no, no. I am talking about influencing the white and black audience to the point that they become bachateros themselves. That... The Today Show opens up with that, that the AP has stories of bajata, that it's in the lexicon of Fox News, the president of the United States, and every single media entity in Hollywood and beyond. That's mainstream. So if bajata is going to go mainstream, who's it going to go mainstream with? Well, if you had The weekend, that might be a good start. And if you had Rosalia, that might be another good start. Where are the Dominicans here? And it was cool on a, on a visual level to see the brown and black. I'm talking about Hispanic and black making, co collaborating to create uh, magic, music, art together. I, I, I like that. But brother, I feel very slighted, even though I'm not Dominican, I feel very slighted that Dominicans aren't taking bachata mainstream and that a Spaniard and an African-American man who have nothing to do with bachata, with the Dominican music, are taking it, profiting from it, making music together with it, without Dominicans, completely excluding Dominicans. Now, why is she doing it? Word is, Mike, that she just happens to like bachata. Oh, I, I really love it. Maybe one day I'll do something with it. And the weekend was like supposedly somebody remixed one of his songs into a bachata song. And he heard it and he loved it. Loved it. So they were like, hey, you person who does nothing with bachata and me, another person that does nothing with bachata, why don't we come together and do something with bachata but without the people that created it? Not one. So is this cultural appropriation? 
first of all, it's it's interesting. Your take on this is is very different than my take on it initially hearing it, because when I heard it, I right away knew uh, n- not so much that the music that we're hearing is not what the musicians were playing, but I was like, okay, this is interesting that there's this bachata happening. And right away for me, the musicologist in me was thinking, okay, we're taking this music mainstream, you know, this mixed artist and this Latina artist, brown people have to bring them out there. So that was my first impression. I thought that this is interesting. As I was hearing it, it also made me, the, the way it's orchestrated, it also made me think of Indian music. What struck me was just how connected many indigenous music is to music that connects us all. So my first thought was the connectivity. I did not think at all in the direction you're going, but you make many, many valid points. Well, see, this is very paralleled to the West Side Story trailer Mm. that we've seen that. And when a Latino looks at it, the first thing they notice is these over-the-top accents. Yes. Right? The accents are like, okay, did they just say, all right, let's... It's Speedy Gonzalez. It's Speedy Gonzalez accents, man. But it's 50s movies Latino accents. It's embarrassing. I I know, like, oh, did did we somehow in the 50s... Hey, mom, you know, my mom... That's how we talked in the 50s, isn't it? You know? No. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you were a cartoon. Well, hey, weren't weren't all Latinos cartoons in the 50s? Oh, (laughs) man. Come on. I'm just saying. That's how how it's portrayed. So, listen. When when you're a non-Latino, you don't notice the accent issues. So, what we're talking about is one group's reality... And another group's ignorance is bliss because they don't notice these things. I'm asking you because I don't want to sound like I'm a guy that's overreacting here. But this looks like cultural appropriation, man. Okay, now you see here, here's the thing. I, I, I would have to look at it again with a different eye. Let's, let's put a little clip on here so you can listen to a little bit of it. Here's, here's how it goes. Okay, now, I'm looking at everything now a little differently, as I didn't really see too much in the way of musicians, but yes, the music was definitely struck that it was what it was. That struck me still the same. In terms of the people in the background, yeah, I, I don't really read any Dominicans happening. That's in the what I'm saying. Where the hell are the Dominicans on a bachata song? I was thinking maybe Jack's overreacting. I get mistaken for Dominicans, so uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. But no, I, I really okay. But here's but my if you're question. Good, but here's the thing: if you're going to put Dominicans in the background, you know, having a cocktail, then that's not inclusion, Mike. All right, well, you see, that's what I'm saying. If he had put Dominicans in the background having a cocktail, that wouldn't be inclusion. But uh, what, what's the, the credit here? What, what's the, has he spoken out about this, the music here? I mean, this is, we saw a trailer for a music video. Okay, yes. And, and is... what, you noticed, what you noticed in the video, in the music video, is that he sings in Spanish the whole thing. Yes, he does. The dubbing process is terrible here. He doesn't speak Spanish. Is he lip syncing? I didn't even. I didn't even think he was singing. Not, yeah, but that syncing, Mike, is off. 
because he's doing it in another language that isn't his own. And because there's a lot of Spanish, you could hear like the editors having to cut. So as much as I like the collaboration, as much as I love this guy doing this thing in Spanish, the whole song, like there's not one word of English, I think. Uh, I applaud him, but I also don't think that he could do that live. And to be with a with a big hit sister like Rosalia, you're gonna have to. Per- this is the perfect song to perform at the Latin Grammys. Now, if he does perform this at the Latin Grammys and he does it fully, dude, the fucking building comes down. Like, all right, like okay, it, all right, I'm the just roof saying. comes down. I, you know, we're gonna revisit. Yeah, no, this. no, and, and it's great. And and if you listen to him, at least trying to speak in Spanish, it's amazing. It it feels great. But bro, my my whole point here is. Dominicans are, have fought so hard, have pushed so hard for their music to be heard, and some non-Dominicans are going to take their music and they're going to run with it. This is her this is Rosalia's first single off her new highly anticipated album that's dropping in 2022. I think it's called Motomami. That's her first single. All right, wait, can I play Devil's Advocate with you? What if Weekend came out, the Weekend came out and he was like, oh, you know, I wanted to represent, you know, you know, cultural music from a global perspective, blah, blah, blah. So on this album, I'm going to have, you know, this, or I'm working with different artists and we're doing this, we're bringing that to this and this to that. And, you know, we're bringing it out to the masses. We want to shine a light on this, this music that people don't know about. I'd have a problem with it. Paul Simon got away with it. Paul Simon was from the 60s, right in the middle of Jim Crow, man, and the civil rights movement. He got away with it in the 80s with 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 uh, Graceland, the album, Graceland. I, I haven't heard Graceland in years and decades. Well, I'm just saying at the time it was a big deal because he's like this white guy bringing African music to America. Right. So so today you put that album or, or, or that happens for the very first time. What do you think people are going to think? So you okay, here's what I'm saying. America's dynamics have changed so much in the last two years, Mike, that you cannot take someone else's musical identity and then essentially steal it to do your own shit because you couldn't come up with anything else and then not give credit to the people that created the sound. Somehow, it has to be music with purpose. What would a given credit look like? What would it look like? Hey, bring in cameos from the biggest stars in the Dominican to be sitting there, to be hanging out with The weekend. It's nods. It's Easter eggs. It's all types of, yes, we're aware that they're doing it, but they're bringing us along. They're, they're showing the biggest upcoming artists to do vocals, to do something. But yo, this looks like it's straight up. I'm just going to use it. I don't give a shit about your country or your artists or your music. I'm just going to use it because I can't think of any other thing to do. Now, let me just say, haven't white artists though been doing this for decades and decades and decades? Right, but why should we propagate it? And 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 I'm asking you, is this wrong to you? I I uh, I feel like you're defending I'm, it. Well, I'm playing devil's advocate. Uh, I'm 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 everything you're saying. I'm considering because I hadn't considered it that way. So you're making me think and rethink uh, because of everything you're telling me. Right, and 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 I think for for me in particular, I think this is one of the big problems that we have in the United States when it comes to Hispanics. 
a lot of aggressions, microaggressions, are constantly happening to Hispanics. When West Side Story was on Broadway, instead of a Puerto Rican woman playing Maria, they had an Argentine woman play a Puerto Rican woman. So what would happen when she would talk in Spanish? <laughs> she would sound like an Argentine woman speaking Spanish with a heavy Argentine accent. How am I supposed to believe that this woman is a Puerto Rican woman when she's talking like an Argentine? Am I supposed to ignore that massive, massive distraction? That's great storytelling. That's great casting. But, dude, no one else noticed. That's it, because the mass audience, the, the dominant culture, Right, but care. so who's being punished here? Who's being, like, lacerated with these aggressions? Mm. Well, that's not it. That's not even micro. It's not white people. That's not micro. Though. It's not black people. That's bigger than micro. It's macro. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty damn macro. That's bigger than micro. And so I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at my wife, and I'm going, I, I, I need to walk. I, I can't. I can't listen to this. This, this is like a cat, just completely scratching chalkboard. It was terrible. And now we're seeing it again with Spielberg because he thinks Latinos talk like that. And, and I'll tell you this. Did you hear, and I might as well just talk about this, you know, kind of segue into this other thing. So remember we were talking about being the Ricardos, Nicole Kidman, Javier Bardem. And the first thing I told you was what? He's Spanish. He is absolutely not. Javier Bardem is Spanish. Correct. Like Rosalia, Spanish. Correct. So Spaniards seem to be taking Caribbean or Latin American, you know, Javier Bardem is not Cuban. He's a Spaniard. But somebody recently in a Hollywood reporter, right, uh, asked Aaron Sorkin, which is the director and the writer of Being the Ricardos, about the casting. What I didn't know was that Nicole Kidman, uh, it was a little bit of a blowback there with the casting of Nicole Kidman going, how does Nicole Kidman look anything like Lucille Ball. Shouldn't you hire somebody that looks a little bit like it? And is a little closer to the age she would have been at the time. But go ahead. Correct. Yes. And he says, look, there's a very small pool of world-class you know, actresses, and I had to pick one that I knew was going to own it. And Nicole wanted to do it. How am I going to say no to Nicole? I said, fine. Bardem wanted to do it. Why would I say no? It's Bardem, you know, an Oscar winner. So what ends up happening? They ask him about the Bardem casting and the fact that he's not Cuban and a Spaniard playing a Cuban is, isn't that blowback that In the Heights just went through going to affect you? Did you think about that? Let me read to you exactly what he said, man. I want to tell you my opinion on this and I stand by it, which is this. Spanish and Cuban aren't actable, okay? They're not actable by the way neither are straight and gay because i know there's a small movement underway that only gay actors should be gay characters gay and straight aren't actable you could act being attracted to someone but most nouns aren't actable so mike is aaron sorkin right well aaron sorkin has a point I mean, he's got a perspective uh, that that is valid. I don't know that he's right, but he has a perspective that is valid. You you say 
people who are from uh, Cuba, their perspective is that they need to say that their their heritage is from Spain to gain the respect of uh, the dominant culture. And that's their perspective. Now, if you're not Cuban, your perspective about that could be like, well, why would you do that? Why do you, you know, why, why do you have, why don't know, why not be proud of fleeing from Cuba? But from your perspective, that's what they should do to change it. But from their perspective, it, it may be the, a path of least resistance. So I think for a lot of, um, let's just say, white filmmakers, white storytellers, there's a lot of reasons they can give themselves that that are valid, that have you know validity, uh, why they don't have to be sensitive to issues that don't affect them. That's straight up what he's saying. He's saying it, it doesn't matter to him. He's not he's not acknowledging the history of of being gay, of being Latin, of being black, of of having to hide your identity if you were gay or if you were Latin. You know, he doesn't have to. It's he's like it's not actable. He's like, yo, can we just get the shit on the screen, exactly. please? Exactly. If if it wasn't that's all he listen, cares about. If it wasn't actable, then why did Rita Moreno always get cast as something other than white? And and rarely ever Latina. No, you're you're you know right. What I'm so, oh no. And what about Marlon Brando? You know, putting on brown face and playing a Mexican. If it's not actable, then how is it he could act it? Then you know. So this, I could poke holes in his logic. I understand where he's coming from. It, it's sort of a, a white liberal point of view, but there there are some inherent blind spots there, in my opinion. So once again, we go back to this. Ignorance and a lack of wanting to learn about another group fully. Willful ignorance. Willful ignorance, which is, I know that there's a problem, but I still don't want to know. And I just want to plead the fifth all the time because I never learned it. So you hide behind that and guess what ends up happening? A whole community becomes invisible before your very eyes because you don't give a shit. You don't give a shit the way you represent them. And come on, we've talked at nauseum about this, Mike. We know that image representation is almost everything in the way we view things, the way we interact we with st- things. We still haven't had a black Cleopatra. We still haven't had a black Cleopatra. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. But But this idea that no one seems to care. Spielberg doesn't give two hoots about these cartoon accents. Aaron Sorkin doesn't care from what... He was actually considering a Brazilian to play Desi Arnaz. Uh, Look. I mean, that would have been crazy. And supposedly they have a Latinx consultant. And she had said to Aaron, hey, Aaron, hold on a second. You understand that this dude's Brazilian. That's going to bring a lot of problems. Well, he goes, well, what about Bardem? He's from Spain. He's like, well, that's that's okay. You see, but <laughs> go ahead. And why would she think it's okay? That And I said, who the hell is this Latinx girl that just betrayed a whole community? All right, well, you see, here's the thing. And, and this is just my perspective, the non-Latin perspective as a black man. My question is, okay, the very notion or the very naming of Latin X suggests a a let's say a a a a blanket a blanket term and how many different countries could you possibly be from to be considered latin 
how many would you say roughly? 33 to 36. 33. So 36. So there's 36. If just Latin, you could be from any of those 36 countries and you're Latin. Okay. I mean, uh, it, we're just coming to a point where people know the difference between Chinese, Japanese, and Korean. We're just, we're really just getting to that point, you know? So uh, to me, yeah, I can easily see how there's, you know, you said something before, uh, it, it, you know, make them invisible. It's not about making uh, the, the Latino invisible, in my opinion. It's like, it's about keeping the Latino invisible. It's like, he's already invisible, so why do we need to identify anything? I, like I said, we didn't get a Black Cleopatra. They remade Ben-Hur, I'm not, was it Ben-Hur? Uh, um, you know, all these biblical epics that took place in Egypt, and we still have white actors with black eyeliner playing Egyptians. Yeah, I, I mean, mean um, it's we're in the 21st century, and it has to stop. And we're, there's two examples already of white people, of white directors, taking a Latino angle within a story, and never really portraying it accurately. Look, I give them credit; it's much more forward movement, you know, progress from the original West Side Story to this one, there's been a lot of improvements, but I would say it was 90%. So am I going to kill it? No. Does it bother the hell out of me? Yes. Because it still says that you think I talk like this because I am Latino. Like, stop it. We don't. Damn it. Right? And I then... Know. I know. And then you got Bardem. <laughs> you do do that pretty good, though. Like, maybe, you know, Jack, Jack they'll cast you. Maybe they'll cast me, you know. As, as a, a 50s Latino. <laughs> a 50s Latino. <laughs> 50s Latino. Is that like in sound effects? 50s Latino accent. You know, soundbite. Oh, <laughs> I mean, go look at La Bamba. Ah, Lou Diamond yeah. Phillips didn't talk like that. No. Look, there's too many examples. But even the Bardem thing, the fact that they couldn't get a... A, a, a Cuban to play Desi Arnaz. It's it's about it's about the name. It's about Hollywood. It's about celebrities. It, it, it it's is. about attracting. I know. It's not about it's not about uplifting any culture. But should Hollywood be that? Of course it should. So then why isn't it? Because that's not how it's been. It, it, it's like anything else. You know why is it all fucked up? Because it's always been fucked up, you know, and and not that that's a good excuse, but that's generally how it is. Like this is how it is. You you don't get that shot unless somebody knows you, decides to give you that shot at, at whatever it is. You think of any groundbreaking thing that has happened in terms of breaking through a racial. Uh, it, it was sort of like by chance. It just it happened to happen. They they'd happened to cast Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon. It was not written as a black guy, but the casting agent said, "Hey, let's cast Danny Glover. He's got a little heat on him right now." And then okay, now we all of a sudden we have uh, a, a, an actor who is given a chance and has a career that's like, you, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I, I feel I feel like that's same thing with Lou Diamond Phillips, you know. And he's not even Latino. Latino. You know, it's like, so what role has he played where he has played what he is? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he has. But hey, listen, man, I, I, I'm i starting to think that that no one cares about this 
cultural appropriation shit anymore. That that no one seems to give two hoots about it. That anyone can play anything, and that's fine. But then, can I be honest with you, man? After I saw Hamilton, and and that really kind of rejiggered everything, and white people loved it. When you had black people playing white people, if that's going to be happening everywhere, then I'm not going to have these conversations anymore, man, because no one gives a shit. Like, I'm a Colombian American, and then they're going to have someone that is completely not me or even looks like me play me? Sad. It's just, it's, it's weird. Oh, for artistic purposes? Ugh. So wait, it, they couldn't let Keegan Michael Key play you in the film? <laughs> I bet you they take. I bet you they get a uh, Jordan Peele to play me. Jordan, like the more Jordan against Peele. type, the better. The more artistic. I love, I love the it. aesthetic. It's unconventional. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, why don't we leave it there, man? Um, I got to. Sure, sure. I got to tell you a great story on the next episode of a party I went to. Um, and, uh, it, it, oh. I, you know, it kind of like, you know what? I'll tell you about it in the next episode. That's it for the 65th episode of Brown and Black. If you would like to support this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. Your help will allow us to be heard by many more people. This episode was edited by Joshua Tirado. You can follow our comments and opinions on at Brown Black Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We'll see you on the next episode of Brown and Black. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.